Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Greetings, friends in Christ Jesus. My name is Roger Zatwebembire, the director of Africa Center for Apologetics Research. This is a ministry whose mission is to equip God's people across borders and cultures for three important things. Number one, the defense of the Christian faith. Number two, the need to develop biblical discernment. Number three, how to reach out to people who are trapped into cultic groups and false teachings. Brothers, let's face it, it is really true that believers can be deceived. If you have any doubt, come with me to the book of Colossians and hear Paul's warnings to the Colossian church and what this means for you. And may I remind you, it's not only Paul speaking to the Colossians. Really, every book in the New Testament, apart from the book of Philemon, has serious, severe, several warnings about the need to guard against false teachers and their teachings. Why would God want to warn us in all over the New Testament unless this was clearly a threat against his church? It is true that believers can be deceived. In our portion today, we will be reading Colossians chapter 2 from verses 20 to 23. You may realize that we have been doing series on Colossians chapter 2, so there is a lot of background that probably you may not be aware of if you are listening in for the first time, but I will try to give you a summary of where we are and what this will mean for you in trying to understand this last portion of the chapter from verses 20 to 23. So listen to how Paul addresses the Colossian believers. If with Christ you have died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not test, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and civility to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. What a sad way to end a powerful chapter. That when Paul is said and done in Colossians chapter 2, he identifies people who are seeking to please God in and of themselves by their personal human effort. He identifies them as people who keep trying but never arriving People who really, no matter what they do, they never stop the indulgence of the flesh. Every try, every attempt is misery, more slavery, more entrapment, and no freedom whatsoever. Is this what life in Christ is about? When you look at the book of Colossians, going back to chapter 1, or chapter one, you will notice that Paul has been saying a number of things in this book that help to shape the framework of what we are discussing today. And I would like to draw your attention to that book so that you can see what Paul is saying and how this will help us to understand not only the will of God for our lives, but also how we can stand firm in the fight against deception that we may be prepared, discipled believers who are able to stand firm for the gospel, for the glory 
of God. You see, brothers and sisters, a big part of medical practice has everything to do with prevention. Just as a doctor tries to prevent his patients from falling sick so he doesn't have to treat them, a lot of the New Testament letters deal with preventive measures, warning believers on how to escape the danger of deception from false teachers. Paul does a good job with the Colossian believers, as we will see. In this letter, he will warn them of the danger that awaits them and points them to the solution to that danger, who is Christ Jesus. He calls them to firmness in Christ, to faithfulness in their faith, by reminding them of the freedom, the fellowship, and the fullness that they have found in Christ Jesus. He warns them of the dangers of deception, of such errors that present another Jesus, one that almost looks like the Jesus of the Bible, but actually is deficient to save them, and therefore these false teachers add a number of do's and don'ts on top of Jesus in the hope that they would complete their salvation. Paul warns these Colossian believers that the Jesus they have received is not one who needs to be added onto, but is rather final, is rather full, and in him is the fullness of God and everything that pertains to godliness. He will continue pointing them in this letter to their union with Christ and the implications that flow from this. In fact, when you look at Paul's letter to the Colossians carefully, there are a number of things that he's saying, but one thing that comes out very clear is that there is a battle to fight if you are a believer, that Christianity is under attack from false teachers who use philosophy and empty deceit, who use plausible arguments and seek to deceive and to bring into captivity those that have understood and trusted Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. And what is the solution Paul will point them to? He says, look to Christ. Christ is the centrality. Christ is the supremacy. Christ is the sufficiency of the gospel and all of life. He says, I want you to know that in Christ, who is the mystery of God, in him are the treasures of all wisdom and knowledge and the full assurance of understanding that Christ is in short everything you need and will ever need for your salvation. He says, I want you to know Christ in order that men will not deceive you with their plausible arguments and take you away from the foundation of truth that you have known. Paul says, if you will know the truth, then you will discern the error and distance yourselves from it. In short, he says the solution to deception is discipleship, is discernment, and his ability to defend, to explain one's faith when it is under attack. When Christ is distorted or misunderstood, a number of options or alternatives become clear. False teachers will come and add several other things on Christ in the name of trying to complete or finalize your salvation. And Paul points out characteristics in which this deception from false teachers will come our way. Things like man-made rules and traditions, things like worldviews and elemental principles of this world, things like do's and don'ts imposed by false teachers, like which days do you go for worship, which foods do you eat, what kind of clothes are you supposed to put on, as though certain clothes would make you holier than you are in Christ. A deficient Christ 
will lead people into seeking other alternatives of fulfilling their need or their desire for fullness and firmness. And Paul is saying that when you lose sight of Christ, or when you misunderstand him, automatically you will buy into deceptive philosophies, seeking to fulfill the emptiness that is in you. But if you understand Christ and what he has done for you, not only do you have Christ's fullness, but you stand firm in the truth of the gospel, and you are able to say no to the deception of these false teachers. And now when you come to verse 20, he continues narrating or explaining some of those ways in which such false teachers will seek to take you captive. And one of those ways that becomes clear as you look at verse 20 and verses up to verses 23 is the danger of legalism. The teaching that you need to add something on the gospel of God's grace for you to truly be saved. And what is interesting is that some of these rules, these do's and don'ts, sometimes actually look very innocent. Sometimes even look holy. Sometimes look like they have the best of intentions, but they lead to captivity and spiritual enslavement. For instance, if somebody tells you that you shouldn't put on a mini skirt, you should dress nicely, put on a long dress or a long skirt, really they're asking you to be presentable and to look okay. There is nothing wrong in that. If somebody says do not drink alcohol because it will burn your liver and kill you faster, I mean, they're advising you to stay healthy and live long. Again, it looks like it's okay. Until you ask yourself, does stopping alcohol really make me a Christian? If I stop drinking, does that mean I have become holy? Does that mean now Jesus loves me more than he did before? Does that mean I have a place in heaven when I die? Does that mean I have a guarantee for eternal life? And the answer to all those questions, sadly, is no. While alcohol may help you to keep a healthy body and hopefully enable you to live much, much longer, maybe two, three more years or ten than you would have lived, the reality is that someday you are going to die. And when you do, you must face the judgment throne of God. And when you do that, you will realize that stopping alcohol was not the answer. Embracing Jesus was. So the challenge with legalism is that it will add things that seemingly look innocent and actually well-intentioned, but no matter how well-intentioned, they will not help you to find the salvation that you so desperately long for. In fact, the Apostle Paul, from verses 20, he says that let no one rob you of the freedom you have in Christ. In other words, these enforced rules and regulations added on top of salvation do not result in freedom in Christ, but rather in captivity in the very system of those do's and don'ts. Which is why the Apostle Paul asks, Why, as though you have not yet known Christ, are you trying to go back to that kind of life that enslaves you? Did you not die to all these things when you came to Christ? Did you not become free in Christ Jesus? So why are you going back to the regulations that do not handle, do not test, do not touch, that once held you captive? Paul says they have an appearance of wisdom. But notice the word he uses, an appearance. He's not saying they bring wisdom. He's not saying they are wisdom in and of themselves. 
They have an appearance. They look like they promote wisdom. But in essence, they promote self-made religion and ascetism. And guess what? Doing them does not stop you from desiring to indulge your body in the things of the world and in the things that please the flesh. In other words, most people who seek to become holy and perfect and pure by the observance of the law soon realize that nobody can keep the law perfectly, soon realize that the very law they seek to uphold is the one that has actually enslaved them and is now showing them their inability to keep it and the end result is frustration frustration, frustration enslavement back into the old lifestyle that you once lived before Jesus became a living reality in your life so what is Paul's solution to this deception of our day what is Paul's solution to this effort of men and women of groups and churches today seeking to add rules and all sorts of regulations above the salvation that innocent believers have received the answer is simple Paul says come to Christ just as you received him continue to walk in him rooted in him built up in him walking and growing in him in fact, giving thanks and celebrating what has happened to you in Christ Jesus. Paul, in this letter of the Colossians, is basically saying that any life, any Christian lifestyle that would be free from deception must be centered in Christ. And I'm not talking about just saying, me, I believe in Jesus, but depending in him, on him, trusting in him, not only for your eternal destiny, but even in your everyday life, that Christ who called you will sustain you until the day he presents you before our father in heaven. Notice how the apostle Paul has described him to show us that there is no doubt whatsoever that Christ Jesus is the answer for the world today and any attempt to substitute him with anything or add anything on top of him is to insult his person and his sacrifice that brought our salvation. Paul addresses him this way. He says that spiritual fullness is found in Christ Jesus. That while today's church is looking to human traditions, to spirits, to powers, to prophecies, to invisible forces, to angels, to visions, to apostles, in their attempt to find God, they should instead be seeking for Christ. Because when they find Christ, they find the fullness of God. As if that were not enough, the Apostle Paul takes it a notch higher. He says, you see, the secret of the fullness of salvation is found in a simple phrase, in him. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, verse 3 of chapter 2. Verse 9, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in him. Verse 10, he is the head of every rule and authority. Verse 13 and 14, all sins and trespasses are forgiven in him. He has disarmed all rulers and authorities, meaning there is no need to fear powers or demons or diviners or witch doctors because when you come to Christ, you are safe. You have security above and beyond the powers of darkness because in Christ Jesus, you have triumphed over them just as he did when he rose from the dead. What you need is not deliverance from demons. What you need is firmness in Christ. When you have Jesus, you are free because according to verse 15, Christ Jesus has triumphed over this. You no longer need visions and prophecies and dreams. 
What you need is Christ who is the fullness of all these things. Rather than God have you receive messages, he has sent us a person. He has sent us his son. Rather than us understand God through invisible things, he has sent a visible and tangible man, the man Jesus Christ, that we can touch, that we can feel, that we can experience. During his time on earth, he walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem and Nazareth. He was felt and touched by people of his day. They dined with him, they walked with him, they saw him in action perform miracles and wonders, they saw him suffer like them and with them, they related with him clearly he distinguished himself not only as the perfect man but as the perfect mediator and representative for man between God and men the man Jesus Christ and no other do you need to know God's will for your life? Jesus is the answer. Do you need to know what is going to happen 10 years from now? Jesus has already revealed it in God's word in the scriptures go back to the rules, the do's and the don'ts that human beings put upon one another in the name of gaining perfection or holiness, the Apostle Paul calls us to Jesus, the perfecter of all. Jesus Christ not only makes people holy, but who became the standard of holiness. Who not only perfects the saints, but who became the standard of perfection in that there was no sin whatsoever in him. That no man could ever charge him for any sin or transgression while he walked here on earth. Understanding Jesus as the fullness of everything that we will ever need or ever want is the antidote to the deception of our day. Today's deception is saying, add something to Jesus so you can complete your salvation. Many Catholic groups are saying, Jesus is great, he's good, but he's not enough. Add penances, add the rosary, add prayer and fasting on the prayer mountain. Bring your offertory to make contact with the prophet so that the prophetic anointing can flow down on you. But really when you think about it, is it the prophetic anointing you need or is it Jesus the Savior that you really need? Are you sure what you need is the man of God praying for you or Jesus who has been interceding for you for the last 2,000 years and continues to pray for you? And not only to pray for you, but is sure that God will listen to his prayer and God will keep you. Isn't that what Jesus prays for in John 17? When he says, keep them, dear Lord, these my followers, just as I have kept them by your name while I was with them here on earth, now even more so in my absence, keep them. Jesus has already prayed for you. What you need is not a new apostle or a new prophet. What you need is not to deny yourself of bodily comforts and go to fast even beyond medical guidelines and guidances. What you need is to rest in the Lord. Isn't that what Jesus said? Come to me, you who are weary. You who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You fought long enough. You fought before you became a Christian. You struggled. You sought the aid and the help of which doctors. You received wrong advice from your friends and your enemies. But now you have come to Jesus, the source of wisdom. You have come to Jesus, the giver of life, who proved it by defeating death when he rose from the dead. You have come to Jesus, the only one who qualifies to forgive the sins of men because he is God. The Apostle Paul asks here a question today. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, 
Why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to the regulations? Why? Why do you still feel that you need to bring a, an offertory or a tithe so that God can bless you? Is God bribed by what you give him? Have you forgotten that God is the owner and the source of everything? Doesn't the Bible describe him saying the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him? Don't we read that silver and gold are his? So what do you really can you ever offer God in exchange for his grace and blessings? To try to pay God so he can bless you is an insult. And if your pastor is telling you that you can only get God's blessing if you sow a seed, that pastor is not reading his Bible, that pastor has missed God's will for your life, that pastor cannot lead you into a true and firm relationship with Christ, that pastor is not leading you to fullness in Christ Jesus. A true biblical pastor would be asking you to celebrate God's grace, to live daily in earnest dependence on what Christ has already done when he rose from the dead on your behalf, when he paid for your sins, when he guaranteed you a future in his kingdom, when he promised his Holy Spirit to come and guide you and be your counselor and strengthen you until the day you leave this world. Christ says, come and rest. He does not say, come and work hard. Christ does not say, bring something if you want me to bless you. Christ says, come as you are. Christ does not say, do not touch, do not do this, do not sit, do not stand. Christ Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you see how possible it is for you to call yourself Christian and yet continue to do things that have nothing to do with Christianity? Christianity is a call of God's grace. It is not a call of human effort. It is not a call of come and work. It is not a call to pray hard. It is not a call to fast many more days than you have always done. It is not a call to, 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 to deny yourself of bodily comforts. It is not a call to cut yourself as some of the religious groups do, thinking that when they suffer more, that's when God will be pleased to forgive them of their sins. It is a call to an experience of freedom that comes only as you stand in Christ. The letter to Colossians is a call to fullness. It's a call to firmness. It's a call to faithfulness. It's a call to fellowship. It's a call to fruitfulness. But all these, remember, are found only and only in him. You can see why the Apostle Paul warns the Colossian believers. He sees his role as an apostle to warn these believers to expose the error in their midst. He exposes the scriptures to show them God's truth, that standing by the unchanging truth of God's word, they may stand firm in the faith that God has made possible for them, bearing fruit, becoming Christ-like, celebrating his their newfound freedom in him, and looking forward to the day when when they will celebrate him and enjoy him world without end. No wonder the Apostle Paul in verse 4 of chapter 2, he said, I want you to know, I am telling you this, so that you will not be led astray by men who through their plausible arguments seek to take you captive. 
The Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to know who you have become in Christ Jesus. So that you will stand firm in his promises, in his privileges, that you will not be led astray by those who seek to enslave you through the adding in of regulations and man-made rules that are not part of the gospel. Now, does that mean that you can indulge yourself, do whatever you want, after all rules no longer have a hold on you? That's not what we are saying. In fact, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that if you stand firm in Christ, you will seek to live a godly life. Meaning that you will desire to depend on Christ, to trust and obey him, knowing there is no other way to be happy except to trust in Jesus. It means that his grace will lead you into godliness, into purity of heart and mind, into loyalty and obedience, into fruitful sacrificial service for the body of Christ, that you will desire to serve as Christ served, you will desire to live as Christ lived, you will want to pray as Christ prayed, you will love and serve as Christ did, you will give as Christ gave of himself. Not just his power and miracles, but his life as a whole. When you understand the true gospel in Christ Jesus, it makes you into a servant. It makes you into somebody who lays down his life for others. It makes you somebody who is hungry for the truth. For indeed, the only way to experience true freedom in Christ is to know the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Can believers be deceived? Yes. Should they be deceived? No. Can they avoid deception? The Apostle Paul says, yes. Yes, you can. See Jesus. Come to Jesus. The only antidote to deception is in Christ Jesus. And those who have stood firmly in Christ and in his gospel not only find themselves being faithful to him, but fruitful as well. May the Lord bless you so much. As you continue to look through Colossians and see God's will for your life and grow more in your maturity and unity of the Spirit that God in all and in everything may be glorified. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.